0: let's stand together. We're going to recite the Lord's Prayer as we've been doing all summer. This is actually week 10, if you can believe that. Asking the question all summer, are you praying or saying? Now we're going to do a little bit of a twist here. It's up there briefly, but if you've been doing this for eight, nine weeks, you probably should have it memorized. So feel free to close your eyes this time. All right, kind of like learn a little bit, get it from here to here in your heart. So if you think you know it, everyone's like zeroing real quick. Like how many of you had a pop quiz and you're like checking your notes real quick before the teacher says, put it away. What is it? What is it? Okay. Hurry up before I forget. Right? So we're going to say it, Matthew 6, 9 to 13, the Lord's Prayer. Ready? Begin. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You may be seated. Right, so the question of the summer has been, are you praying or just saying? Right, because we've been saying that for 10 weeks now, and I'm guessing, quick survey, how many of you, quote unquote, prayed in some form this morning before you got here, right? You would say, yeah, I had prayer time. Okay, so just a good, a, a healthy check. Was, was I praying this morning or was I just saying, right? Was it, was it just rote, religiosity, self-centered, just because, or was I really praying, right? And we, we've seen the definition, the biblical definition of praying is really rooted in face-to-face. So around here, we call it FaceTime. FaceTime, right? A radically different uh, sense if I'm texting somebody. If, if Mark and I are texting, you know, there's some relational there. But as soon as he says, hey, let's FaceTime, suddenly we go deeper. Suddenly we're connecting at a relational level, right? Suddenly just his presence and, and, and the screen, right? So we've been looking at prayer from a very personal, new, what we call new covenant, relational paradigm, relational heart mindset, right? Learning to speak to Father from our heart. Learning to have FaceTime with Father in all these different issues that we've been walking through the prayer, right? And it said Father Abba, Father King, Father Provider, Father Communicator, Father Forgiver. And last week we looked at Father Protector those are all heart issues. Those aren't just showing up in the morning and saying, you know, ta 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 ta. Can you rubber stamp this? Thank you Lord, bless my day. See you later. Radically different to sit there and walk through each of these elements in FaceTime can be transformative. In fact, I was telling someone if you were to take the Lord's prayer and walk a new believer, brand new believer through what we have been going through the last nine or ten weeks, at the end of that, this new believer would have a pretty solid foundation. Doctrinally, relationally, what it means to have a covenant relationship this way vertically and this way with others. Foundational, absolutely transformational. And last week, we, we, we moved into the last line, Matthew 6.13, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this, this, this matters. It all matters because it all affects everyone. But truth be known, one out of all, one people on this planet are tempted. One out of one people are tempted. Some of you were tempted this morning. Some of you will be tempted while you're sitting here. We talked about spiritual warfare. We talked about an enemy, that this is the last place the enemy wants you to be right now. If your Sunday mornings are a bit cuckoo, it's not a dink. Right? One out of one people on this planet are tempted. So this prayer of lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil" boy, this is a biggie. This is a biggie because you're about to leave here the safe confines of church and you're going out to the big bad world. And some of you will be tempted at lunch. Some of you will be tempted if you go to the beach today. Some of you are going to be tempted when you're watching TV. Some of you are going to be tempted with music you hear. and things. It's all around us. So no one in this room or no one listening online can escape temptation. The real issue is, though, what is temptation? Really, what is temptation? Because the world, and maybe you've grown up, where temptation tends to be really skewed a certain way, right? There was a show years and years ago, Temptation Island, Right? So when we hear the word temptation, usually we associate it with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Right? All these vices, all these evil, wicked things of the flesh. Right? And you can't do that, you know, and so, ooh, that's temptation. Well, that's just actually not even the main part of biblical, what the biblical word is. Right? It's not even it's not even what it means. And so when he when when Jesus is saying, hey, Pray this last line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's saying, you and I, we need to have a heart of, Father, I need your protection. I need your protection. Martin Luther says, we cannot help being exposed to the assaults, but we pray that we may not fall and perish. So what's the biblical definition of the word tempt or temptation, right? If it's not, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll only, if it's not these things you see at the beach or whatever, what is temptation? Well, it's really interesting because the word tempt in the Bible really means trials or testing. It's a broader definition. It means proving it, it, it. The word picture is you have a precious metal and you test it to test its quality and its genuineness. That's the biblical word tempt in first Peter 4:12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. That's the same word for tempt, to test you as though something strange were happening to you. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So really, the word tempt in the Bible is a broader word, a broader definition of testing, trying, proving. Now, if you're a believer, remember, this is a new covenant prayer. They're talking about being tested and proved in the genuineness of your faith, in the genuineness of your faith. Now, there is that element of seduction to evil and and being lured that way, but that's not the main definition. That is not the main definition. In fact, John MacArthur defines it this way. The basic meaning of temptation, pyrosmos is how you pronounce that, the basic meaning of temptation is simply to test or prove and has no negative connotation. Whether it becomes a proof of righteousness or an inducement to evil depends on our, our response. If we resist it in God's power, it is a test that proves our faithfulness. If we do not resist, it becomes a solicitation to sin. Question, is it a sin to be tempted? It's not a sin to be tempted, right? Because the Bible says Jesus was tempted, but without sin. So if it's not a sin to be tempted, really the issue is what do you do when you are? Because you will be. And now we understand that biblically, it's not just this main definition of seduction to evil or sin. It's testing. It's proving. So some of you this week, some of you this morning, financially, relationally, in your health issues, in your desires, you're being tested. You're being proved. God's allowing something in your life that would be either a testing, proving, trial, right? Now, your decisions, how you choose to respond, can open the door to it becoming a temptation. Because in that testing, the enemy will come. And in that testing, because your emotions are so frayed, because you're at the end of your rope, because you're so angry, because you're so lustful, because you're so habit-oriented, ingrained, the enemy will come. And throw a temptation. The choice is yours. It can be a testing that you grow and mature. Or you can give in to the seduction of the enemy. And then we talked about confession and forgiveness and cleaning yourself up. Right. And so this morning, I want to look at, at a temptation that many of us are familiar with. It's in Matthew 4. Right. Don Stewart says this. God's purpose is to bring out the best in us while the enemy brings out the worst. So here's the thing. In the church, this idea of temptation, because it's been so narrowly defined, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of misconceptions, and it's heaped a lot of guilt and condemnation on God's children. By being simply being tempted, by simply being tempted, you have felt, Oh, I'm so horrible. Oh, why am I? Why? Right? In the church, I've sensed, that there's one of the reasons we don't have the joy that we have is because we carry this heavy burden, guilt, condemnation for simply being tempted. Now, flip that around and maybe just use the word tested more. Tested and recognize that Abba Father allows testings in your life and in my life because he loves us. He has a purpose, right? It's for our best. It's for our good. The enemy wants to flip it. Right? I love that quote. The enemy wants to bring out the worst in us. How many of you have ever gotten into it with someone? And you may have said this or you have thought it. You say, you bring out the worst in me. Anyone? You've been in a situation and like, oh, man, I, I get in that situation and the cards line up a certain way or I get into it with someone and they just bring out the worst. They just push all the buttons. Anyone have a button pusher in your life? Just just a button pusher, Right? Well, when you're, when you're allowed in a situation, attesting, approving by, by Father, the enemy knows your buttons. The enemy knows your buttons. He knows. He knows, right? And so in Matthew 4, 1 through 4, it says this Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by who? By the devil. But think about it. Jesus was led up by who? The Spirit, God. So God put him in the wilderness. He allowed him to go to the wilderness to be tempted, seduced to evil, not by God, but by who? The devil, right? And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just looking at this, there's, there's two ways. And in my heart today, as um, we wanted to celebrate Mexico, just kind of like we're going to stay broad in the next week and the next week. We're going to we're going to camp on this temptation thing for a while, because again, one out of one people deal with this all the time. How many of you sometimes feel there's a season you're in your life where it just doesn't stop? It's relentless. You just conquered one, and then there's something happens, and it's, it's like, so we have to. My heart, as I was praying this week, is. We got to equip. We got to equip. We got to equip you, right? So it says there in Matthew 4, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. If we were to look at Matthew 3, the end of Matthew 3, something phenomenal happened at the end of Matthew 3. Jesus was baptized. And do you remember what happened after Jesus was baptized? He came up out of the water and his father spoke. This is my son who I love, right? So Jesus, right before this testing this temptation has what we call a mountaintop experience he has a woohoo moment he's like i'm back from ensenada that that's what happened jesus had an ensenada homes of hope moment and immediately after this spiritual high he's led into the wilderness to be tested and tempted by the devil and and i think of that i think of that when When we would take kids to Hume Lake or other camps or other youth retreats and and we would have this incredible time at Hume Lake and some of the kids would get saved and they would have this great come to Jesus moment and they would be reading their Bibles like Amber said and they would be all tight for God. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. You know, I'm just going to read my Bible every day and I'm going to go to youth group. and Right. They make all these huge commitments. And then before we get on the bus, this became a tradition before we would get on the bus. To head back from Hume Lake, I would say, okay, you're going down the mountain. You've been on the mountain. God moved in your lives, but you're going back and your families have not changed. Your friends have not changed. You're going from the mountain back home. Back home. And what are you going to do When you're tempted, tested by peer pressure and everything that you left for a week and you got up and you got with Jesus at Hume Lake and you're coming back down the mountain. And I kid you not, I try to prep. I try to give them all a heads up. And then sometimes, even before we get back to Ojai, they're fighting at lunch. And they're grumbling and they're complaining. And it's like, you know, an hour ago we were singing Kumbaya. Kumbaya. And we were holding hands, and I love you, man, and we're going to be BFS forever, and we're going to hold each other accountable, and now you don't want to sit with them. Now you're asking me if you can move buses because so-and-so is bugging you. I'm like, what happened? What happened to Kumbaya? I know, but they're bugging me now. Camp's over. Now they're bugging me. I'm like, right? And so, so one of the things we learn here is you have to be careful off the mountaintop. When it comes to trials and testing in your life, celebrate them, but you also have to be very careful because you can be vulnerable. Right? Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. 1 Corinthians 10:12, we looked at last week. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So we can have these wonderful spiritual experiences. We can get involved in church, and we're just like flying high. It's those moments where you can get tempted into pride and really kind of spiritual complacency, a little apathy. I'm good. I'm good. You going to church this Sunday? I'm good. You going to to the women's thing? I'm good. Going to the men's bowling? I'm good. Why? Because things are good. And that's when you get lulled, and the enemy knows that. Right Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8:3 in his response, right? "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word." In context, he was eight, Deuteronomy 8, the beginning of Deuteronomy eight is Jesus, and, and it's talking about God's provision for the Israelites through the wilderness, and then a warning. Look what he says in Deuteronomy 8:10. And you shall eat. He's talking about the Israelites going to the promised land. You shall eat and be full. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. How do you bring that into 2019? Uh, When your 401K is doing well, when you paid off your house, when you're out of debt, right? Check, 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 check. All the things that bring us comfort and security in our definition of comfort and security in our culture, right? When you have friends now, when when you, you know, just... You fill it in. When you have all the stuff that you thought you needed for comfort, security, happiness, all of that, be careful. Lest you forget the Lord your God. That, that's, there's the temptation. You're very vulnerable. We're vulnerable on the mountaintops. We're vulnerable in comfort, especially Ojai, Southern Cal, SoCal, especially the United States. Right? How many of you who went to Mexico, it was the first time you were like actually subject to that level of poverty? right? I remember when I used to take kids down there back in the early 2000s. You would go there and you would – it was almost like your mind couldn't fathom that this is how they were living every day. And then you, you, you suddenly realized, we live like kings and queens. We live like kings and queens, and we're complaining about not having something in the fridge that we really wanted. Right, And then you realize, oh, man, we live like kings and queens here, right? So we have to be careful about the valleys, or the, the mountaintops. And then it says in Matthew 4, 1, 2, 1 and 2, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. How many of you have a hard time missing one meal? And you get a little bit hangry, as we say. How many of you have kids at home that get a little bit hangry? A little moody, a little edgy, because they missed their one meal. One meal. How many have ever tried the fast? I mean, okay, I know what well, we're not supposed to tell. Okay, I'm, I give you permission to tell. Right? I don't want to lose my benefit. How many have ever tried the fast? A day. Anyone? Okay, um, let, let me go back. A meal. <laughs> P- kudos. I'm not going to, like, diss anyone. A meal is a meal. Amen? I need my Wendy's Baconator, right? I, that, that's a big that – okay, so meal. Okay, let's go. A day? Two days? Three days? Four days? No way. We have a no way here. Uh, a week? Maybe? A week? Okay. That's fine. Right. like – after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, obviously he was hungry. <laughs> so, 40 days, 40 nights, he's hungry. The devil kind of knows he's vulnerable because Jesus was fully human. How many of you have been in a vulnerable state after missing a meal or two? Like anyone, your spouse sitting here next to you? You know, you know not to mess with them when they have not had their coffee or their whatever they need to have to smooth it out, right? So if you know that at the human level, 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry, the devil comes, right? The devil comes. And so we have yet to be careful for tempting and, and temptation at the mountaintops, but also in the valleys, in the valleys. When you know you're not right, when you know you're physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted, you might literally be hungry, you might be sick, you might got fired, you might have got laid off, you might be dealing with relational issues, loss, whatever in those valleys, you're just as vulnerable because that's when the that's when the devil comes because you're being tested in that valley, you're being tested as a child of God, He's never left you, but it's when you're when you're at your wits' end. You ever get to that place when you have just been somewhere circumstantially and you feel like you're in the vice grip of pain and you just get to the place where you, you want to either squeeze your head or you want to explode I can't I get there sometimes I'm like what am I supposed to do with this right I mean you're in the valley and there's no there's no light at the end of the tunnel and it's dark and all you're either you, You're consumed with your feelings and your emotions. Sometimes it's rage. Sometimes it's abject fear and terror. Sometimes it's confusion. Sometimes you're just so discouraged or depressed. You're just in this valley, this pit, right? You have to be very careful there because then, again, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to the enemy coming in. I love this verse, Proverbs 30. kind of keeps us in, in, in check here. It says, Oh, God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Lord, just, just give me right, just what I need. Let me just live right there. Because the other two ends of the spectrum, that opens me up to temptation. That opens me up to the flesh. Right? That opens me up to the flesh. In fact, we sang that song. The first song we sang today is actually kind of a great tie into this. Verse one, blessed be your name, right? Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. How many of you like that part of the song? Ah, bless the Lord. Amen, brother. God is good all the time. Right? Well, let's keep singing. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. That becomes a choice, doesn't it? It becomes a choice. It's both ends. But it becomes a choice. And that's that's really what I want to kind of lead us to that, that when you are tempted and and tested in the biblical definition – it's a heart issue, and here's a fundamental heart issue of tempting and temptation, okay? Whatever it might be, from this end of the spectrum to this end of the spectrum, it's a faith issue. It's a trusting father issue is at the heart of temptation and testing, okay? You see, was there anything wrong with eating bread? Nothing wrong with eating bread, going back to Matthew 4, right? Right? Was there anything wrong with Jesus' ability to turn stones into bread? He just had the ability. He was God. He had a supernatural ability. So, eating bread, nothing wrong with that. Jesus' ability to turn stones into bread, nothing wrong with that. Inherently wrong with it, evil, sinful, nothing wrong with either of those. So, what was going on? What was the temptation? Well, he was hungry, and the temptation... That the devil was throwing out was for Jesus to act independently of God's will. Hey, you're the Son of God. Just do it. Take care of it. What are you waiting for? Why should you be hungry? Where's Father? You see, he was hungry, he's vulnerable. Just like in the garden, what does the devil do? starts to malign father's character remember eve oh god knows when you eat it you'll be like him what was he doing he was throwing doubt on god's character and he was turning eve's vision to her you'll be like him well in the same way when we're tempted oftentimes we get to the place where we start to doubt god's character oh why is god letting this happen i prayed five times So I'm going to take care of it. How many of you, in a moment of absolute transparency right now, have felt the need to handle it instead of God, to take the reins, to act independently? That's the temptation. That's one of the. That, that's what I'm talking about. The root of temptation is faith and trust. You and I get to the place where we're tested, and in that testing, we become tempted to act independently of God's will, to take over, to take control. To let circumstances, feelings, frustrations dictate our actions rather than the word of God. Rather than the word of God. Right? What does Jesus say? He goes, he quotes Deuteronomy 8. 3. He goes to the word of God. He goes to the revealed will of God in the midst of the temptation. So the devil will say, hey, just deal with it. Deal with it. Mark, you're smart. Very smart. Yeah. Successful. This is a no brainer, Hamar. Huh, See, a lot of things in your life, the challenge is that you know you can handle it. Right? The challenging part is waiting on God's timing. Anyone have a prayer like, it'd be really cool if God would hurry up with this? That's faith. Isn't that the moment of faith? That's the moment of truth. That's like trusting, trusting the goodness of Father. Trusting, trusting, trusting that he's on the throne, that you're his child, that he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Man, it's like so – the hard part is I could fix this. I could fix this. It's not rocket science. I could fix this. And the hard part is who's got the wheel? You know, and you're like, Father, a little faster, Father. Get out of the right lane. Let's go to the carpool. Let's get past this, right? The temptation is to act independently of Father's will and handle it yourself in your own ability, your own understanding. It's a faith issue. At the root of testing and temptation is a faith issue. It's a faith issue, right? When I was a a new believer, I got involved with a a men's group. And... uh, we built some good relationships, and I was trying to figure out what it means to be, a, you know, uh, not just a Christian, but like a Christian dude, right? Because I grew up pretty independent, pretty selfish, pretty self-centered, pretty indip- You know, just this guy stuff was just kind of weird to me. And so we get to build relationships, have a small group, and and I'm, you know, I'm I'm like this new believer trying to work through this sanctification process, putting off the old, put on the new. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm dealing with some stuff. You know how they say all temptation, nothing, no temptation has seized you except it's common to man, right? Well, I was dealing with some stuff that was common to men. If you know what I'm talking about. So I got like these man testings and these men testings, and and I remember I got I was, I was like you, carry I was in this men's group. You know you feel like you got to say something, and I'm like, oh really? I'm supposed to come clean here? You know the wrestler, right? Yeah, really. You're supposed to come clean, and you can't let it go. So I raised my hand and and I said, "Hey guys, I just got to share something with you." And I share what I was struggling with at that time. And I'll never forget what uh, what one of the guys said to me. It's almost 30 years ago. He said this to me, and it helped me reframe temptation and testing. So I shared what I was struggling with. I shared the testing. Shared the temptation. And he literally said this. He asked me a question. He goes, "Hmm, I wonder what's driving that." He asked me, "I wonder what's driving that." And then we never got to really follow that up. And w- what's my point? Is that God knows our frame. Okay, we're in sanctification. It's a lifelong. In the church, it goes back to what I was saying. Sometimes in the church, we are so fearful and living under so much guilt and condemnation that even though we're tempted right okay so there's one two three four five there's six guys right up here in this in this two rows how many of you think that's the six of us probably deal with the same stuff and the tempting so oscar you start what are you doing? No, just kidding. No, just <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, cover my eyes, ears. Okay. So here's the crazy thing: in the church, we're all in sanctification, men and women. We all know we're dealing with that is common to men and women. Amen. Right? We get together. It's good. I'm fine. Everything's good, bro. It's, Jesus and me, bro, we're good, right? And and it was so cool because this guy's question kind of took away all the guilt and condemnation for being tempted. Amen? You see what I'm saying? He didn't say, bad Christian. Bad, bad, bad Christian for being tempted. How could you, you heathen? Right? He didn't give me the you heathen sloth player jokester, whatever he was going to, you know, I didn't get any of that. He just said, hmm, I know what's driving that. Because he wanted me and he stirred me to examine my heart about what was going on in my heart. You see, you and I are tested in areas that maybe are not inherently wrong or evil. Okay, how many of you, when you were young or now, desire to have a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife? Anything inherently evil about that? Wrong. What's the temptation to take care of it yourself and not wait on Father, right? To make all those profiles on the dating sites. Well, Father doesn't seem to be bringing the right one. Got to take care of it myself. And we're like, "Mm, mm, careful, careful, right? Anything wrong with wanting to be financially secure? for your home stewardship. Nothing inherently evil or wrong with that. It's good, except for when you take control. All right? You see what you understand what I'm saying? So so in the church, we have to get to this place of honest basically just honesty and transparency that all the temptings and temptations we go through are common to everybody in this room. Amen. So just turn to the person next to you and say you too. You you too. All right? you too it's just the you too moment so so we don't have to carry this guilt and condemnation about being tempted and when you don't have the guilt and condemnation about being tempted you know what that enables us to do love one another and encourage one another through it and what this brother in the lord wanted to do was say hey man let's get what's driving that what do you think causes you to go down that path is it are you looking for esteem Is it a habit that you that you were raised with, and how you view the other gender? Is it let's just have a real conversation about what's going on in your heart and what's driving that. Now it doesn't mean you live in the past, and it doesn't mean you start blame shifting. What it means is you live in the present tense, and you have a real conversation with some brothers or sisters in the Lord that you can say, "Yeah, you know what? I got some fears and insecurities in my life. I'm a man pleaser." I'm scared of being alone for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm really scared of that. You know, I grew up prideful. You know, I grew arrogant. You know what, I grew up and this is how I used to treat the opposites. Just have conversations where you can get to this, what's driving that? Because here's what I've learned. When you let one another in your life, especially in the areas of testing and temptation, you find great freedom as you start to speak it. You just start to speak it because I have found as i trying to grow up as a believer, especially in the formative years, when I was so fearful of letting my stuff out to be known, there was such bondage, such bondage. And when God brought other older men into my life and I was worked through the discomfort of starting to build relationships with guys for the very first time in my life, in my mid-20s, just being able to say this and to say, dude, I lost it or, dude, my, my mind is so messed up. And, dude, I got all these habits that I'm trying to work through and my temper and how I – just to be able to have a conversation with the brother and the Lord that most of the time would just listen, just listen. There were times in my life, there was one season in my life, and sometimes, you know, people come and go in your life. I had this uh, brother in the Lord and we built a relationship and he said whenever you need something just call me. If you need something you need to get it off your chest because he knew I was a pastor and sometimes we live in these glass bubbles and we can't talk to just anyone because you know we're pastors. So it makes it even worse. He said if you ever need to talk just call me. Right? And it was here in Ohio when I first moved here. So I built this relationship. I remember specifically one day stuff was just world was bad flipped everything was You ever had one of those days where you're like what else could go wrong right you're just like wit's end so i call him i like okay he said so he zips by the other church that i was at and i jump in his truck and we drive out uh towards uh lake casitas on that end 150 that's the 150 right so we pull off into one of those one of those uh, turnouts facing the lake turns off his truck he goes okay go I went. And then I got tired. He goes, you done? I'm like, yeah. Okay, let's go get something to eat. Turned on the truck and we went to go get something to eat. It was that simple. It was that simple. He didn't go into deep prayer. He didn't lay hands on me. You let me get it out of my system. Because how many of you have ever just dumped, and in the end, you really know, already know the answer? You just needed someone to listen, right? Classic, my wife, right? I have countless times made the major faux pas of trying to fix my wife's problems <laughs> before she's finished telling me about them. And men, how many of you ever heard the phrase, just listen, don't fix me or it, because I already know what I'm supposed to do or what I'm not doing. Thank you very much, Mr. Fix-It. Just listen. Anyone? Can I get an amen from the brothers? Amen. All right, thank you. Can I get an amen for the sisters? Amen. Whoa, yes, okay, there we go. So here's a here's point. Being tempted is, in and of itself is not sinful. Jesus was tempted. It's what we choose to do. Amen? It's what we choose to do. And if you kind of get that today, that, that's, that's what I, what I want to get. Um, I, let's go to the last slide with all five of the uh, – in your notes there, I put – and we're going to go over this next couple weeks. There's five foundational truths that, that really struck me for overcoming temptation. And we're going to walk through these over the next week or so james 1 13 it says hey you know what when you're tempted don't say god is tempting you because james 1 13 straight up god does not tempt okay god's provision romans 6 6 hey you're no longer a slave to sin amen you're no longer a slave to sin amen so do you have to give in to temptation no no god's presence first corinthians ten thirteen. here's the crazy thing right God, in that verse, we're going to see, we've already saw it last week. God knows what you can handle. Amen? He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. How many of you have ever thought and ever said this? I can't do this. I can't do this. It's too much. It's too much. Ah, 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 ah. And then you went a lot further. God, it's a step of faith. He knows, and then that verse says he will provide a way of escape. There's father will always provide a way of escape that's a promise that's a promise right god's people the church the one anothering that we talk about here a lot that i share with the story of my brothers growing up as a young christian not heavy duty counseling not finger wagging just like all right man ready go all right let's go get some food that simple one anothering freedom to, to be authentic and real with one another. Because every temptation, every testing you face, I face, it's common to man. It's common to man, right? And then God's purpose. God's purpose. I want to kind of look at this. Look at James 1. I want to give you a bigger perspective because some of you might be going through something right now. Right now. And I, want, I, I think if I share these before communion, it will help you. James 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So right now, if you're going through a testing, a temptation, understand there's a higher purpose. You may not understand. You may actually not be very happy right now. It doesn't change the biblical truth that there's a purpose. And that you can choose to count it all joy. Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? Good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You're going through something right now and it's not particularly good, pleasant. Hang in there. Hang in there. God's word says it will work for your good eventually. And I know that's tough when you're going through it. That's why you need brothers and sisters in your life to hold your hand, to hug you, to listen, to pray To remind you, I tell you, dealing with temptation and testing as a lone ranger, isolated island Christian, you get chewed up and spit out. Okay? That's not why he created the church. And then we'll look at before before communion, we'll look at Jesus, Hebrews 2. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself, Jesus, because he himself suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Amen. Whew. Yeah, if you've ever been in the pit of suffering, in the middle of temptation, in the in the depths of temptation, I gotta tell you, to know that Jesus went there plus some is a huge comfort. And Hebrews 4. That Jesus gets us. He really gets it. And if Jesus gets it for me, then I should get it for you. And I should sympathize and I should be in here for you. And I should say, hey, man, let's talk. You're going through it. My prayer is, is we one another, one another, that we'll get to the place where brothers and sisters in Christ, we can say, hey, man, I need to talk. I'm, I'm going through it right now. I'm being tested, and I'm, quite frankly, I'm being tempted, and, and the old me is coming back, and I'm thinking things, and I'm doing things that I thought I had buried long ago, and, and these old patterns are coming back, and brother, I just, need you, I just need someone to talk right now. And out of that talking, you might develop a relationship where you could say, hey, brother, can you just hold me accountable? Can, can I call you if I'm tempted to flip on the internet to that stuff? Can I call you? Will you be there? That's what we're talking about, the depth of this. Because, again, everybody goes through something in this room. And if you're listening online, you go through it too. And what the devil, I believe what the enemy wants to do is divide and conquer here. He wants all of us to live in such fear and insecurity, even as, quote, unquote, brothers and sisters, that we are literally terrified to even be real. I've known this guy 20 years, and Mark and I have kind of a love-hate relationship. I love him dearly, and uh, but you know what? I don't like Mark so much as when he says, hey, let's get together Kurt, for coffee, and I'm like, oh, because I can't blow smoke at Mark. So when he says, let's get together for coffee, my heart goes pitter-patter, pitter-patter, because I'm like, oh. Here we go. I got to be honest. <laughs> I'll just telling you right now. 20 years, ministry for 10 on top of that. And when he still calls me for coffee or lunch, hey, let's sit together and catch up. I hate when he says, let's catch up. I hate when you say, let's catch up. Because he has this way of looking at me. he. And he lets me go through all the surface level stuff. And "Uh he goes, uh-huh. And he just smiles and sips his coffee and waits till we're all caught up. But I love him for that. It's uncomfortable. Literally, if he were to say, let's catch up this week, I would go pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Because none of us like to share our stuff. We're so afraid of being judged. We're so afraid of condemnation. We're so afraid of whatever, being voted off the island. Whatever it is, it's mostly just fear, insecurity, pride. Oh man, what if they really knew? Right? What's your what if you really knew? What if we put you're really new on the screen? Oh, everyone, just about <laughs> pitter patter, pitter patter, right? <laughs> right? crazy thing is, who already knows? Father! And that thing, that thing that you got hidden deep down, maybe he wants to set you free through a brother and sister in Christ. Just to get you talking. Just to remind you you're not alone. Just to remind you that we have a high priest who suffered as well and gets it. That's a great truth, but oftentimes, God will manifest his love and grace through each other. That's how you get to know grace. This through a grace extended to you at the human level. Okay? So we're going to uh, have a song. You guys come up. Let's pray together. And uh, we're going to have communion. And spend some time in prayer and face time. So, Father... The last line of our prayer is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It is a heart cry of protection. It is a heart cry of honesty that quite literally we need your protection because in the flesh we're weak, because there's an enemy that wants to destroy us, because there's a world whose values are completely opposite of yours. Father, lead us not into into temptation because we're going to leave here in a few minutes. And we're going to be tested. And we've seen today that in the end it's a faith issue. It's a trust issue. It's a choice. A choice. So, Father, thank you for who you are. The five foundational truths we'll look at in the weeks ahead. And, and I pray, Lord, we would maybe even use this week as an opportunity to to memorize some of these verses, to use them as daily reading plans, to, to really ingrain who we are in Christ and who you are so that we can be victorious in the testing and temptation. And then Jesus, I think about Hebrews 4 where we're reminded We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So thank you, Jesus. You are able to, you understand, you get us right now. You get us. We come forward in communion as a church family, not just remembering what you did on the cross, but Jesus, we remember right now, this very second that you were tempted just like we are, and so you understand. And we can come to you 24-7. We can come to Father, the throne of grace, 24-7, 365, to find mercy and help for our testing and temptation. So we're going to open up the front tables here, and you can come forward. Take the bread and the juice. In remembrance of Jesus, if you're not a believer, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Put your faith in Jesus, the high priest, his finished work at Calvary. Rest fully in his finished work. That's all it is. Saved by grace through faith, not by works. And if you do that, come forward and celebrate communion with us as part of God's family. So come forward, and once everyone's been served, we'll take communion together.